Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today on uh, this episode, we are very pleased to have joining us John Lund of My B2B Coach. John, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be on it. Uh, John, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and about My B2B Coach. Sure. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had uh, a few different companies in my life. And uh, the ones, the first two, I always say failed nicely because they didn't bankrupt me. And then, uh, but I learned a lot. In fact, the first one is my first time in sales. I was selling for the younger people in the audience. I won't remember these for the older people. They will uh, vinyl telephone book covers. It protected your big yellow pages telephone book. And I had to sell ads to dentists and chiropractors. And I had to walk straight in while they were working on somebody and say, I need you to spend $500 with an ad and learned how to sell there. Right. right. I, my large company though was Offwire mobile phone distribution company. Uh, had to learn how to sell and grow. We grew that over 19 years and sold uh, to a large distribution company about five years ago. Yeah. Then I got to take two years off of uh, really learning more about myself, really studying. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, small business, medium business. I like working with small and mid-sized businesses. I'm an implementer of strategy planning. So I was handling 10 or 15 of my clients there. And just the common theme I saw of, I had as a frustration with salespeople, my, all of my EO friends, I'm in the entrepreneurs organizations, I have hundreds of them, they're frustrated with salespeople. When I started talking to salespeople, they're frustrated with their owners because they're like, hey, I didn't go to school for sales, I went to school for something else, there's not many sales degrees. Right. And I ended up starting a company called My B2B Coach because there's a better way to onboard and ramp struggling salespeople and get them to a competent and comfortable level. So that's how I started my B2B coach two years ago, uh, which has been an exciting journey since then too, as we've launched it. So that's my brief history of business. That's great. Think it back over your career. Can you tell us about the person who's had the most impact on your success? Uh, so that's my wife. When she came in and uh, became my integrator early on, it was a huge advantage. I, I'm a sales guy at heart. So don't let salespeople run both the inventory and the accounting. It's not a good, it's not a good option. Uh, a couple other people, the entrepreneurs organization as whole, a um, couple of great mentors. Uh, Dr. Bell was a very interesting one when it came to sales, actually, uh, out of UNC. And uh, a gentleman named Terry Slattery was another great sales trainer and salesperson that made a big difference when it comes to sales. When it came to just pure mentoring, I was lucky to be surrounded by really smart people in an accountability group for 10 years that would hold me accountable that were uh, entrepreneurial friends of mine. That's great. Think back to your time and your starting sales. You mentioned a little bit ago. Um, what do you wish you were taught when you got that first job in sales? I, I wish I was taught to practice a little more. Uh, it really does make a difference. I wish I was taught to listen more and to listen from nothing is one of my big things that I learned. That was from Dr. Bell. Uh, it's amazing if you just ask smart questions and don't worry whether or not you're going to get the sale, just do the right thing. You will get more sales than you dreamed of. 
Yeah. You know, you have a blog post titled Power in Silence. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, the power of silence is incredible. When we, uh, I'm going to kind of prelude to the other thing, if we use our AI software and we record people, often you can tell that the wheels are turning all the time in our salespeople and mine too. So what was happening is that they're not really listening from nothing or that power of silence. Like it's okay to be still in sales. It's okay not to be speaking. And it's really okay not to be thinking because you really just want to engage and listen. Um, young children do this really, really well when they're watching their favorite show. They lean forward. They are engaged. Even if you like walk in front of them, they just slightly like go, like they yeah. don't miss a beat. Unfortunately, we've all been trained to think about the next thing we're going to say. And that hurts us from listening. If the person says something and then you're thinking, okay, that's good. I got to sell them the blue one. That's going to solve that problem. I'm thinking about that. Those next 10 to 15 words, you're missing out on the really deep meaning. He doesn't want the blue one. He wants five dozen blue ones. Right. And you've missed out because you already were engaged in your next thought process. So it's just really that power of silence and understanding that silence matters. We want people only talking 25 to 35% of the time, truly listening to the other one to be able to ask great questions. What does someone considering their first sales leadership position need to understand? Sales leadership and sales are very different games. Yeah. I mean, exceptionally different games. We've all heard the adage, don't ever promote your best salesperson into a sales leader. Uh, some people want promotions because they think it's the right thing to do in their life. Salespeople should make more than the sales manager if they're really good at sales. So if they're thinking about sales, do you like coaching? Do you like listening? Do you like holding people accountable for goals? So first of all, do you like that? Are you a natural leader? Uh, often you'll see it in whether it's in sports or in some other thing growing up, they were the natural leader. Um, and then once they, if they identify themselves as that, they wanted to call the plays, great. If they don't though, and they're like, hey, I just wanna be the hero that catches the ball, and spikes it in the end zone, be a salesperson. Right. That's, that's the role, right? And the coach should be a little bit behind the scenes. They shouldn't be the uh, one spiking the ball in the end zone. So, right. right. and I'd also recommend any new sales leader. There's a few books I would recommend right off the top. <laughs> what are those books? Uh, the Coaching Habit by a strange name. It's called Box of Crayons is the company. So if you look it up on Amazon, but The Coaching Habit has some just really good, smart, how to, coach people to set their own goals, which is a lot easier to hold them accountable for their own goals. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a done by Bob Brozen called Kiss Theory Goodbye. And he does a really nice job again, how to, we want to set it up. So your job is to coach and develop people as a sales leader um, and hold them accountable. And it's a lot easier if they're setting their own goals to reach for their own goals, than you micromanaging them down. I unfortunately did it early on, like you have to make 50 calls and we have to do this. Well, I had one guy that could get 10 meetings and five calls. I mean, he got references to everything else. Right. He didn't need to make 50 calls. And other people had to make 50 calls. So what was the outcome I was looking for? What are the goals? You know, and go from there. What do you think the first thing a person stepping into a, a sales leadership role should do? Uh, I, I personally like it if you can get uh, 
we call them APQs. It's an assessment tool to understand each person's unique way that they probably should be managed and not try to uh, manage everyone similarly. Um, people have different personality types and we need to understand what those are. Um, then I would use our motivation checklist to make sure that people, you know what motivates people. Everyone says money. It is rarely money, rarely money. Um, understanding what motivates that person so you can paint the picture of what winning looks like. I am a big believer. There's goals and metrics and KPIs and OKRs and rocks and all these terms out there. They're all fantastic and all those tools are great. If you can define what winning looks like for the team and what winning looks like for an individual in their own words, they want to win. Yeah. They want to win individually and they want to win for the team. One of the, one of the most unfair things that I see people do in sales, but also in leadership. And I use this analogy a lot when I do my facilitations is take a kid eight years old, 10 years old, bring them onto a field, put a ball down of any kind. I don't care, but it's a field that doesn't have any soccer nets. It doesn't have any goalposts. It doesn't have any, it's just a field. And just look at him and say, Chris, I need you to win for me. They look around and you go, come on, man, win for me. Right. And they're like, what? And you keep yelling at your eight-year-old because they're not winning. You gave them no tools. They don't know what the game plan is. They don't know what winning looks like. And I see it so often in sales that these people are like, well, they just need to go close sales. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Right. We got to give them a game plan with metrics and milestones of what winning looks like. Hey, we want you to move past the 50 yard line this next week. We need you to do it by this method, right? But there's some leeway in there. We're just the bumpers. We're keeping you on the field yep. as leaders. So you can't run off the field, but we're keeping you on the field, but we're giving you a lot of leeway inside that field. But that's that we want you to have 10 meetings. That's what winning looks like this first 60 or 90 days of a new salesperson. You don't have to close a sale. We need you to work on getting meetings. Right. We can close them for you. And then so on down the football field as a football analogy. So what winning looks like. And one of the questions I like to ask uh, sales leaders when they're on the show is how do you define success for yourself and your team beyond just sales? So when you're coaching a sales leader. Can you expand on that? I mean, you've kind of started down that path, but do you give them concrete examples around defining success? Cause I think it is so important to get, you get caught up in total sales or whatever, but there are other things that contribute to that. Do you agree with that or, or not? Well, yeah, there's other things. I mean, watching people's skill development can be a huge, mm-hmm. a huge win. And it's a nice stepping stone, whether that's from uh, the skills we work with on our AI software to public speaking skills to having them go through like writing better proposals. We, we, unfortunately, people aren't very good at it. Um, mm-hmm. So you can really work on some skill things. Winning for me is always watching a teammate win, right? I mean, there's somebody I'm coaching win. Like we had a great story of a gentleman, unfortunately, wife going through cancer. He was struggling in sales and we got to help him go up and he started making about another $700 a week on his commission over our 10 week program. And he wrote us a sweet letter just on how much that changed his financial situation because of the struggles they have been having with their family. That's worth everything, you know, and it wasn't, this isn't a sales guy that's selling a million dollars a year. This is a guy that's selling 
$700 items and selling was only selling five a week and now is selling 15 a week yep. and making a nice little commission on it. Yep. I mean, that's as good as it gets for me is winning when it comes yep. down to it. So uh, understand, you know, I like the term winning for sales and what it means, but yeah, there's more than watching growth of people understanding you're going to have some super, if you're running a team of 10 or 15 or 50, there's going to be five or 10 of those that have, have the, you know, five or 10% or 20% that have the, they have the it factor. They have that charisma and confidence and they can sell anything and they're impressive at it. But those are few and far between. It's when you work with the other people. So they build that confidence and get that skill set to me. That is the best part. And then when the whole team wins, cause I, I've always, I always wanted to paint the picture. I had a lot of warehouse team and I always wanted to paint the picture to my sales team who are highly commissioned and could make some big money. Hey, if we hit this level, everyone in the warehouse is going to get a $500 bonus and they're all making $12 an hour. Yeah. That, that was better. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Can you talk about your AI software? Um, I'm sure when you guys sat down and, and designed this, you were targeting on specific areas to have an impact on. Can you talk about those areas and, and, and what advantages uh, your customers get from uh, working with this, this platform? Sure. So this all actually, when I started researching um, what's the best way to learn, it all came down to this thing called deliberate practice. You can Google the book. There's a great book on it. I forgot the name of the book, Google Deliberate Practice. Um, what's the best way for people to develop a skill? So first of all, there's a difference between knowledge and a skill, right? Like I technically have the knowledge to play piano. I know what the keys are and I know kind of how they all work and I know my different things, but I have zero skill in playing piano, right? Um, and same with like my golf game. And this is where the AI software came in. I'm a golfer. Uh, I went to a place called Golf Tech. There's any of these simulation places are like this now. Where what they realized is if you get hooked up, you get you do your swing, you watch your swing on a video, then all this software kicks in and says, hey, by the way, your plane is wrong and you're you know, swinging outside in. I can adjust a lot quicker by just using that. And then when the coach says, by the way, this is how you adjust, you need to think like this, I can adjust even faster. And that's called deliberate practice. You actually do the exercise, you watch yourself do the exercise, you get a support mechanism through AI software or smart software, and you have a professional coach coach. So when I did the company, our AI software is all gonna measure all these key things, starting with the speed we talk. I speak at 247 words per minute. They have proven 110 to 150 is the best sales pace. And it's not for the obvious reasons, but the real reason is if I speak at that rate, it gives your brain time to think. And if you can think, you'll ask better questions of me than as long as I'm good at what I do, I'll answer smart to your better questions, it'll start creating a confidence loop in both of us right. and we get it. So that's one thing it measures. Talk time versus listening time, quality of open-ended switches. So not getting yes, no. Don't tell me the score of the game last night. Tell me what happened in the game last night. So we get more deep. Uh, all the triggering for 
next steps or stall words like, well, yeah, go ahead, send me a proposal. We'll work with that's a trigger. Send me a proposal is most often a stall. So if Chris Reedy said that to me and said, hey, send me, oh yeah, John, that sounds fantastic. Send me a proposal. I go, great, I'll get that to you. We'll probably take five to 10 hours of time to get it right for you based on our conversation. Now, what's gonna happen when I get it, send it over to you an email next? Because you heard a couple of things. One is, oh, wait a minute, I'm gonna put John through five to 10 hours of work. Well, if I'm just, a, just trying to blow you off, I'm just trying to get you off the phone, I don't wanna put you through five to 10 hours of work. Right. Right. So most people aren't going to do that, but we can catch all those little trigger and key moments or I'm going to have to go meet my team. Oh, who else is on your team? Now you just started to network through. Oh, Bob, Bob's on your team. What's Bob? Oh, he's a CFO. Oh, I don't never want to put you in a position, Christopher, to have to answer questions that we never spoke about. So what kind of questions does Bob normally ask? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then a Bob's like, well, Maybe it'd be easier if I was just at the meeting so I can answer all of Bob and Mary and Sue's questions for you. Right. Did you want to be at that next meeting after the meeting? Yes. So the AI lets us pick up on all these things. The other thing it picks up on is all of our filler words. And we have a lot of them. Uh, I would say it's in the Midwest, but it's all over the place. The word just has become very common to use. I'm just going to get your promote, uh, proposal. I'm just going to follow up with you. I just want to see how things were going, right? That makes it less confident. So the difference between, hey, Chris, I'm just going to get you a proposal versus Chris, I'm going to get you a proposal. Just that difference in language makes it go there. So we eliminate the words. And it's painful the first time you watch and you realize in a three-minute thing, you use the word just 17 times. You're like, come on. So the AI works on those skill sets. We also can listen in and hear for some buying signals that then people tend to miss. Um, it'll pick up some of the key signals there, but taking people through from the prospecting to leaving a good voicemail, we, we start with that to the scariest moment in cold call sales or Zoom is when somebody actually answers. <laughs> we know we need you to get down. The three things we need everyone to get down is what do you do? How much do you cost? And please have an answer that isn't, it can be anything. And then uh, how much or why you over the competition? Right. We hear people ramble and ramble and kind of if and out. No, just give a really specific answer. Yep. Yep. That's great. Makes a lot of sense. So the AI software is a really huge tool as part of the coaching. Oh, yeah. It's critical. Uh, Your your golf tech analogy is spot on. I'm a customer golf tech. And being able to see and get that coaching at the same time, it it has way more impact than somebody just talking at you. Yes. it's a, a totally different experience. Um, what are some of the common mistakes you think people transitioning into a sales leadership role make? Uh, they try, still try to be a salesperson. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the difference. Right. They, they, now they want to be the hero for all their salespeople. Uh, I, I, I played that role for probably five years in my first sales leadership role in my own company. Salesperson wasn't doing a good job on a close or listening or whatever. I'd be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to lose the sale. And I'd jump in and be the hero and still give them the commission. That did not do anything to develop to develop my sales team. So right. try, try not to be the hero. Uh, let people fail. I mean, obviously, give them a whole bunch of prospects that aren't as important to fail on first. Don't give them your top 10 accounts you want to land. Like, no. let's, not, let's not have them fail on those ones. 
Right. That's it. Right. Pick some small ones. Uh, by the way, for all new hires too, please, 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 the first two weeks they're on board with you, they only can learn about your company, all aspects of your company, whatever product or service you offer. Everyone's like, oh, but I can go sell this to my uncle or somebody else from my old business. And, I, and on day two, they want to prove that they can sell. The problem is then you let them go after that because they do actually close that one and you're super excited. And then that was because it was their best buddy friend that they could just go close, had nothing to do with your product or service and their knowledge base of it. Right. Then they go fail the next 10 in a row, the next three weeks, and now their confidence has dropped off a cliff. Yeah. How do you combat that? How do you keep that, you know, pull the reins back, keep them under control to where they're really ready? We, we have a very detailed first 20 day onboarding plan that we recommend. I mean, to the, not quite to the hour, but about four things a day that we expect. So day one is like getting the laptops and getting all that and meeting the whole team, simple onboarding things. Like if you're coming into an office a little different now, but like, uh, where's the toilet paper, where's the supplies, where's all the basic stuff that is nice to know where it is. Sounds silly, but it's nice to know. Um, so, but then every, we want them to meet accounting and spend some time. I, when I owned Offwire, they would spend time in accounting and learn what frustrates the accounting department about what salespeople do. Mm-hmm. They would talk to marketing for a day. They'd go hang out in their meetings. They would go back to the warehouse and actually pack for two days. And they're like, what? I'm going to have to pack? I go, yeah, because whatever you do on the front end, they have to execute on the back end. So I want you to really understand what it feels like to pack orders. You know, so I literally had them sit through every department, sometimes two hours, sometimes two days for the first 10 days. They had a great understanding of the whole business and much quicker versus once you set them free on sales, they're like, oh, I don't have time to go pack or go put in accounting. So those first two weeks are really critical. The next two weeks is still a lot of training and onboarding. Do you have any advice for someone who's considering a sales leadership role, what they should look for in terms of, you know, that decision process? Should I take this or should I wait? Maybe look for something else? You mean to become a sales leader? Yeah, to become a sales leader. If they're, you know, they've never done it before, they're they're considering, um, you know, maybe switching to a new company where they can have that position. What are the things they should look for? Uh, because it is so different from, as you're saying, from being a salesperson, being a sales leader is totally different. Yeah. I would ask, I mean, if I was going to another company, I'd ask first, is my expectation to be a player coach or just a coach? Just let make sure we get that expectation. It's often very common. People want player coaches. Um, I would always ask that next boss if that's going to be a situation in there then. So if I'm really good at going and closing sales, how would you like me to divide up my time if me just be a, being a player and going after whales, would double your income to go in the first six months. And right. Right. Well, well, we'll just go double the income. Well, it sounds like you're actually hiring me for sales then, not sales leader. Right. Right. right? So I want, I want them to understand what role they're about to get into. Right. Uh, or am I truly a coach of that eight or 10 or 15 people where my job is to get them to be superstars, them to go out and close the business. Right. Uh, Cause that's what I really like to see in pure sales coaches. That it's about the people, it's about the people, not about them. Right. 
you know, what should they look for? You know, I think one of the key aspects of being a leader is identifying those people within your team that also could uh, uh, advance into that aspect of a sales career. What, what should they be looking for? What should they be doing to cultivate talent, leadership talent? Looking for uh, the lead, so. John, I think we're having some audio. Uh, it can be two years. Looks like uh, we had some audio issues there. Do you mind uh, repeating your yeah. uh, your answer there? Yeah. Well, first of all, leaders just tend to lead, so just watch it. Whether you hire a 22-year-old or somebody new that's come in, see who's naturally leading. I love if you can tell if they have curiosity, so they do start asking questions of, like, why do we do it this way? Why haven't we thought about it this way? They're naturally inquisitive about the world around them. The leaders are like, oh, I, I've been paying attention to the competition. I've been paying attention to uh, new product launches that are kind of close to us or services. Uh, they're listening to their customers in a unique way and asking, that's a leader. Right. They're not a tactical doer. So anytime you watch somebody there, you want to cultivate them. I highly recommend giving them different books to read. Um, I think that's a very, see if they're naturally engaged to learn because a leader needs to continue to learn about the whole industry and the whole world. And they have to start understanding some psychology um, to be a leader uh, and identify them and let them move up and take some supervisory roles or give them one or two people under their wing to start moving them up. You want to get those, if they're a great leader. You want to harness them and run with them. I always say, it's easier to pull back the reins on somebody great than it is to, you know, whip on somebody who's not so good. <laughs> That's, right. That's well said. That's yeah. well said. Do you, do you have just like uh, a crazy story from your sales career? You know, the kind of story where you're sitting around with all your friends and everyone's swapping crazy stories about their, do you have a crazy story? <laughs> uh, one of my more crazy ones, I was going down to do a sales training, uh, in, in St. Louis, last flight out of Omaha uh, that evening, had my duffel bag of about 40 people coming to the training at the Marriott St. Louis. Uh, they did not get my bag onto the plane. So when I landed in St. Louis, they're like, don't have it. I'm like, seriously, it's a direct flight. Like, you just left my bag. I was checked in an hour early. They just, they just, they just left it. Right. So I get there. I get to St. Louis, they tell me that. They're like, how can we help? I'm like, um, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. It was summertime, flip-flops. And my thing meeting started at 8 a.m. I'm like, okay. So the day went something like that. I woke up, went to the Marriott gift store. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals were pretty popular. They always are popular in St. Louis. Luckily they had my size, I'm a big guy. They had a jersey I could buy. So I got myself a baseball jersey. Yep. Still had my shorts and my flip-flops on. Uh, but you're playing then, to the audience, though, a little bit, right? The what? You're playing to the audience a little bit, right? Yeah, I did get to play to the audience, sir. Yeah. But, I mean, I walk in. I got flip-flops, shorts, a jersey on. And I kept the hotel person up all night because they just had a basic copying machine. And I had, like, 40-page training guides. Yeah you know, times 40 people that I have to make 1600 copies. I mean, I, I didn't get to the hotel until 12 o'clock. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to use your copier. And they're like, well, it's back in our office. I'm like, well, somebody has to start copying. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, going to be up a little bit. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was a great story of uh, oh, it was a great story of getting through a situation that happens in sales yeah. and sales training and making the best of it. Yeah. Um, you know what? Being human is really good for sales. Oh yeah. Like, being authentically human, you know, stuff happens. Yep. We went through the day. It was a great day. You know, I just made it through the day and it was really a lot of fun. So yeah. I, I want people, the goal is not to know everything. The goal is not to show that you're the smartest cat in the room. The goal is to ask really smart questions, listen. And if there's a good fit, your solution is a good fit. Keep, you know, say, Hey, I think this might be a good fit. Well, here's some next steps. And if it's not a good fit, go, you know what? I don't think our solution is a good fit for what's going on. It was just a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. Yep. Move on. Like, yep. that's all good. Yep. That's great. Let's talk a little bit about CRM. Okay. I asked this question of everybody. CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? Uh, personally, as a salesperson, I am not a big CRM fan. Um, which is Appreciate the fun. honesty. Yeah, no problem. And I get your thing. I, I, the power of it is amazing. Um, I tend to go after more whale hunting in my world, luckily. And so I don't need a crazy, and I've, I've never been in a marketing driven um, or a big lead generator business. Now, a lot of my clients have to be in the CRM world because yes. it is absolutely critical. It's the only way you can pay attention to so many leads. It's the only way you can really go after uh, what they are. So I, I am a hundred percent believer in CRM as based on the business. Um, you know, if it's a, like we have an engineering firm that we work with and I'll just show you there and they do have a CRM, but really they're only 10 clients are trying to go after total. Yeah. Cause they're five to $20 million a piece. Right. Like we don't need a, I know you're in the CRM business. We don't need a robust CRM to go after 10 clients. How long is their sales cycle? Is it a long one? Six months to two years. Yeah. See, I think I would, argue that if it's that long of a sales cycle, it's important to have a CRM to really manage the, all the communications going back yes. and forth. And especially usually something like that, your team selling, um, team selling environments, it's, it's critical to have CRM to support those. Yes. If you're in that way, yeah, yep. I agree with you there too. Um, um, my other, I mean, my other clients, you know, from a marketing clients to, you know, we're trying to land, uh, you know, 50, uh, 50 uh, different clients a month or a week, depending on the size of the team, they have to have a CRM to pay attention. So it's the best metric and the best way to manage up upstream. And what I mean by upstream is again, for me, somebody, my goal is to have, you know, 10 closes a month at this many dollars. If somebody's hitting 15 or 20, I'm probably never going to ask backwards what they were doing. Right. Right. The person that's only hitting five. Yeah. The CRM to. that doesn't only help me, it protects them. Right. Because if they if I can see that they're doing the work and I can see that they're making the calls, then I can say, hey, let's coach you to get better at these. That's right. Versus if you don't have any of that data. And they just, just say, assume. yeah, we just assume. And we had a gentleman that we unfortunately it ended up exiting him after six months, one of my clients, because he wouldn't put stuff in the CRM. Right. Because he really wasn't doing the work. Right. So it's right. a powerful, powerful. And by the way, they're only getting better. Oh, yeah. The CRMs? Yeah. Night yeah. and day from where it was when we started in this business back in 07 to where they are today. It is, it's mind-boggling the, the pace of advancement. It's, especially over the last three years, it's, it's 
uh, it's hard to keep up with. Yeah. 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 So, really smart things you can do with them. Yeah. I love so it. So John, we're uh, right about our time limit here. How can people, if they want to get in, connect, uh, in touch with you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to, to reach out? Uh, email, email or LinkedIn. So John at my B2B coach. Dot com is my email, or you can look up John W. Lund on LinkedIn. A lot of people connect me through LinkedIn now. Uh, That's awesome. Coach. We also have a great uh, subscription on YouTube uh, for a whole bunch of little five tip videos from a bunch of my friends that share some great tips for anyone in the leadership role of any type of company. Uh, yeah. A lot of people connect through that as well. Yeah, I can vouch for those. I've watched them. They're terrific. Thank well, you. thank you very much for sharing your insight today. It's been absolutely terrific having you on Sales Lead Dog. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM. Delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.